On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the, in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Emma, very much indeed. And uh, may I wish everybody a very good morning. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and our councillors for joining us. And also, uh, we're very pleased to welcome Steve Brine, who's our MP, uh, who's here as well. Pakistan has been underwater with uh, thousands dead and up to 50 million people displaced. Western Europe and Central and Eastern China have all experienced record heat waves and drought. In the UK, we tipped over 40 Celsius this summer. Wildfires are on the rampage, habitats are shrinking, rainfall is shifting, we have mass migration and an extreme loss in our biodiversity. And this, this is our climate emergency. This is what we are living through right now. And even if we start to take radical action now, we will still see further destruction of habitat and all the war and the migration and the starvation that goes with that, more intense wildfires and drought. Africa is already hit and will continue to be hit very hard. Tropical storms uh, will grow deadlier. We're going to focus this morning on one simple thing, that this is absurdly unjust. It is unfair. The poorest and most vulnerable, those who've contributed least to the gigatons of carbon dioxide warming our atmosphere, they suffer the most in deeper poverty and harsher climates. 
On the other hand, we richer nations who've benefited enormously from industrialization and the burning of fossil fuels, we suffer the least. It's our mess, but other people are paying the price. Here's just one simple graph uh, to illustrate that. It visualizes the number of tons of carbon dioxide per person per year across the world. Uh, and you will see it's obviously just representative. Uh, we've got Nigeria uh, giving uh, 0.6 tons per person per year. Uh, India and UK are sort of in the middle. Uh, China's uh, getting ahead with 8.2 and the US uh, leading the pack. Uh, with uh, 13.6. So it just illustrates very briefly uh, how uh, it's largely the Western and industrializing nations who are causing uh, the biggest problems. And of course, what that graph leaves out is that Western Europe and North America have been top of the leaderboard uh, for decades. We pollute more and we have polluted for longer. Now, you all know what it's like when something is unfair, when you're underpaid or you're passed over at work or you're disappointed in love or you're wrestling with bereavement or you're trying to get ahead in your business. You know the seething, paralyzing rage of being on the receiving end of injustice when you can say it's not fair. Well, we have injustice but it is on a global scale. And the first thing we need to do today is just simply to sit quietly and let the full weight of this injustice land. Now, for some of you, that's all you need. You just need to be reminded that this is unfair, that we should make this right, that we should change our lifestyles, we should require our leaders to eradicate the causes of the climate crisis. That's all you need. Some of you are not yet convinced. And if you're honest, you'd say, well, it takes more than a few summers uh, to prove there's a crisis. Some of you are full of righteous uh, anger. You're big on who's to blame. But if we're honest, you lack the will to change the way that you live. And then Jesus appears through the crowd with this revolutionary parable of the Good Samaritan. And we try this morning to hear its power. We're aware of the countless acts of service and love and compassion that Jesus has inspired. Think of the hospitals. Think of the hospices. Think of the acts of grace. We as Christians pick up Jesus' song of crossing divides and treating the neglected generously and treating the neglected with dignity. We love this. And we love Jesus for this parable. We love the way that, of course, the parable is really about him. It's about Jesus' compassion. It's about his stepping across the divide. It's about his radical love. It's about his determination to pay the price for our restoration. Not in mere coins, or in inconvenience, but in a beautiful life of humility that ends with an ugly death of humiliation. We gladly serve our risen Savior. We celebrate debt forgiven and relationships put right. And so as Christian people, we warm to the challenge of loving our global neighbors. 
We recognize that for Jesus' original questioner, the world was a much smaller place. The despised outsider Samaritan only lived a few miles away. We know that our world has shrunk, but that we, like the Samaritan, can help. So yes, we want to love our global neighbor. And yes, we want to campaign that promises made are actually fulfilled. And yes, we long to see the lives of the poorest and most vulnerable transformed for the better. And yes, we believe that our government and, government and many other governments should be sacrificially tending to the needs and the wounds of our sisters and brothers who are paying the highest price without any of the benefits that we have enjoyed. And yes, we want to be generous and tender and attentive in all the ways that we see Jesus being generous and tender and attentive. This Good Samaritan thing, it's, it's challenging, but it's, it's right. We know how these parables work. We know that we need to step into the shoes of the one who ignores cultural and historic differences to offer true love and compassion without counting the costs, without getting something back, or even without recognition. But sisters and brothers, we have to do much more than that today. Much much more is required of us. Much as we'd love, wouldn't we, to jump into the shoes of the Good Samaritan, the hero of the hour, we must admit that we already live in this dangerously simple parable. But we're playing parts that are less hero and more villain. We are the priest and the Levite who walk past the beaten, defenseless man. We have every reason we need to stop and help, but we find incredibly righteous reasons not to help. We say, we've got our own people to look after, or we can't afford it. We cannot be good global neighbors till we confess that so far we've been terrible global neighbors, chucking our garbage into their back gardens. And here's the hardest part, we also play a starring role as the ruthless robbers responsible for the beaten, senseless, naked figure on the ground. Uh, we're already in this parable. We as a culture have benefited enormously from the systematic exploitation of the Earth's resources, exploitation that has been so catastrophic for God's world, so far from our God-designed role as stewards of creation. That was in the past, you say. It's not our responsibility. Well, we live very comfortably in the present because of it. And we continue to be a significant part of the problem, polluting, degrading, spoiling, robbing the earth and many of its people through our inaction and our denial and our tight grip on an unsustainable lifestyle that is breaking God's beautiful world. We can't even begin to be good global neighbors, rushing to the aid of the poor, when it's our actions that made them poor and keep them poor. I wonder, do you long to be a good global neighbor? It's right, it's just, it's generous, it's the Jesus way to live 
in our world. Well, we will get there, but we must first stop being part of the problem by recognizing this emergency and by recognizing our responsibility for it. We have a mandate to love and to care for the world, not to despoil it. We have to change our lifestyles and our attitudes and what we expect from those who lead us. Then, and only then, we might be ready to live as good global neighbours. Amen.